Grab your Bibles, Joshua chapter 17, Joshua chapter number 17. I want to talk to you about something extremely important today, and some of you are going, well, hey, uh, when you're in church, you're supposed to be talking about important things. How many of you today, I better not ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you today would say you are spiritually growing? Just think about that for a moment. I don't mean like going through the motions but really starting to fulfill God's plan for your life, Galatians 5, where you have these fruits of the Spirit, where you go through your New Testament and you've got different benchmarks of spiritual growth. For instance, this intense hunger for God's Word. Peter, Paul, they both ram home this concept over and over. So many of you, they say, New Testament dwellers, first century. Hey, uh, it's always about the milk, isn't it? Just a little bit, not, not going too deep, but I mean a real intense desire for the word of God. You know, one of the things I'm really excited about is we have this new crop of babies in our church. Five new babies here recently. And so I just stopped by the nursery the other day, four of them are in there and it's, it's amazing, uh, the little nursery worker was kind of pointing them out and they said, we don't care if you're a pastor or not, you can't come in. So I said, okay, I'll stand here at the door and she was talking about, man, I, I just can't believe how much they're growing. But you know, when somebody comes to our church to speak or whatever it may be, I've never taken anyone down the nursery hall to say, hey, Jeff Shree from Texas County, Texas, glad you're here for the revival in February. Come down, I wanna show you the best crop of Baptist babies you've ever seen. I mean, I've, I've, I've never stopped him to say, you know what, Jeff, man, two of these babies have grown two inches in length in five months. Now they're considered what we call them in East Texas, they're hosses, they're, they're big timers. You know, he'd probably look at me and kind of squint his eyes and say, hey man, we got some big babies at First Texarkana too. Because, you know, physical growth is not anything that's unusual. I mean, it's not a surprise. It's not a shock to us. In fact, it's expected. You let a few of those parents that their baby was born in the upper 15th percentile in weight or length when that child was born, let them go six months and all of a sudden that child doesn't grow at all. And I can assure you, the parents will say, we have a problem. We need a pediatrician. We need a specialist because our baby's not growing. And it's, it's, it's rare for us to see someone in our churches today that we look at them and say, hey, Jeff Shreve, hey, you see that guy back there, fourth, fourth chair on the right, got the purple shirt on? Hey, 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 man, let me tell you something. That guy three years ago was one to the Lord out of a bar of all things. And in three years, you cannot believe how much he has grown spiritually. And it's like when we hear those kind of moments, it's like shock. It's like, man, that's the most unusual thing. And I submit to you today that our churches should be filled with success stories of people that are growing spiritually. And so today I'm gonna ask, with your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 17, and I hope you brought something to write with, I'm just gonna share with you some things Part of our responsibility as shepherds of this fellowship is to help remove any barriers. Now listen to me. I don't know in many of your situations whether you're growing or not. In some of your lives, I'm close enough to be able to see certain attributes or the lack of. So as you go to lunch today, don't go out of here and say, as some lady did just now as I was about to cross the street, Pastor, I'm upset with you, you were preaching right at me today. Really, didn't even look at you. <laughs> no, I could tell you were preaching right at me. I'm not preaching right at anyone. Today, I just wanna show you one of the most unusual moments in this entire book of Joshua. You are aware that we have traveled for 12 weeks now as we're walking our way through the book of Joshua. We have bumped over most of those 31 battles. Seven years. I mean, these people from Israel, 
I mean, when they went to battle the very first time at Jericho, they didn't know anything. And now after 31 successful battles, they are extremely seasoned warriors. We talked last week about now it's their job as Joshua calls each of the 12 tribes, they're gonna divide this promised land into 12 distinct pieces. Each tribe is gonna get their own land. And all they've gotta go in and is do is do what we call police action. All the major fortified cities have been crushed. The Canaanites, are spread out, they're dispersed. Most of them are dead or exiled. They've been run out of the promised land. And so in each one of these 12 tribes receive land, there are gonna be a few pockets of resistance, but each tribe has the strength, two million people or more, uh, not each tribe, but in totality of all of them. So these, these are not small tribes. They have the strength and the fortitude God's equipped them to clear the rest, to eradicate the rest of their land from all the Canaanites. And of all things today, as we begin reading in verse number 12, Joshua chapter 17, most of you have never heard anyone preach from this particular chapter. In fact, those that really work through Joshua very rarely spend any time in chapter 17, but I've spent some time, I'm going to spend some time there today because I think it's one of the most unusual moments in all of Joshua, but more importantly, I believe that God's led me to that passage for us today. And in the third realm, it gives us three very important reasons why people do not grow spiritually. What I'm gonna ask you to do today is lay your life down side by side with these, this whole Israelite nation. Think about these people. 40 years they've been fed in a nomadic wandering. They couldn't feed themselves, they didn't have any water, they didn't have any food, they didn't have anything. And God took care of them. And then he brings them right up to the Jordan River, if that's not enough, at flood stage, and God stops the water so they can cross over. If that's not enough, he takes them to evidently the most fortified city, the crossroads of a place called Jericho with these double, these huge two-sided walls. Two sets, two sides, and God just brings them. I mean, he implodes them outwardly the only time in all of antiquity that we see walls fall out like that. And they really, the debris forms almost ramps where God's children can run into Jericho. But that wasn't all. 31 battles in all, God has led his people. I mean, if there's ever a time that God's people should feel secure and growing and confident in who he is, it is these people. And yet as we begin reading now, you're gonna see that this particular tribe, at least one of the 12 tribes, is a long, long way from growing spiritually. Joshua's handing out the parcels of land. He comes to the tribe of Manasseh of all tribes, and I want you to hear the dialogue. Here we go, beginning in verse 12. I hope you'll follow along. Joshua chapter 17 now. I'm gonna begin reading in verse number 12. Yet the, the uh, the Massonites were not able uh, to occupy these towns for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grow stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. And the people of Joseph, we'll explain that in just a moment, said to Joshua, why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? Now, this is the reason we know these people were really not just Jewish people, but they had Baptists in them as well. Because a Baptist is never happy. Hey, I'm gonna give you a full steak dinner. Really, is the dessert not included? I mean, I mean, there's something about Baptists. We're never quite completely happy. 31 successful battles. Now I'm gonna give you this choice piece of land. Well, why shouldn't we get two pieces of land? Keep reading. We have, a, we have numerous people. In other words, our tribe is large and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Look in verse 15. If you are so numerous, numerous, Joshua answered, and the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, then go up to the forest there and clear the land for yourselves. 
They're the land that there's Perizzites there and Raphaites there. And then in verse uh, 16, and the people of Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live there in the plain, they have chariots, not just any chariots, but chariots of iron. Both those of Bashan and the settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one, you will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Do you remember anything about your New Testament, early New Testament days, where we had an incredible couple by the name of Jacob and Rachel that had two sons, Benjamin and Joseph. Joseph was the founder, if you will, those boys coming out of the relationship of, J of Jacob and Rachel, they were the tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim, that's why those two tribes are related here, they adopted kind of the them, Joseph, as the very father of those tribes. It's interesting because it's that large tribe. There's even competition within the tribes. Can you believe that? Can you believe that all 12 tribes didn't always get along? Would you raise your hand today if you could say, I'm really not shocked all 12 tribes didn't get along? Can I see your hands? Yeah, you, you ought to know something about humanity in that, you know what, there's always some of that kind of stuff going on. But of all the things, here comes a tribe coming before Joshua saying, you know what? We need bigger land. We need a bigger allotment. Yeah, you gave us this piece and that, that hill behind it. But you know what? That hill's covered with Canaanites, not just any Canaanites, but one of the sets of giant Canaanites. And of all things, they have chariots, not just any chariot, but chariots of iron. And there's no way that we're gonna mess with them. We want a different allotment of land, not that hill. That hill's like wasteland to us. And so they come before Joshua sharing these, this incredible request. Now, what I want us to do today is I want us to take these three dimensions. I'm just gonna mention them to you, and I want you to jot them down because they parallel with reasons not only why this group is not growing spiritually, but why you and I so often are not growing spiritually. And can I let you know ahead of time, some of these you're not gonna like. Would you look to your neighbor and say, pastor's not gonna make everybody happy today. Would you tell your neighbor that right now? Go ahead, tell them, pastor's not gonna make everybody happy today. Okay, got it. We got that out of the way. Number one, let's jot these three things down. Many of us are not growing just because, and, and these people are not growing. They're not where they need to be spiritually. You say, well, how do you get that out of this? Because they got the same allotment as all the other 12 tribes, but yet we see not any of the 11 tribes coming before Joshua except this tribe complaining. They wanted more. And the first thing we can draw from this is that many times you and I don't grow spiritually because we live in what we call partial conquest of our lives. In other words, that really comes out of partial obedience. Now, I want you to put your own checklist on your life today and ask yourself this question. Are there areas in your life that you're not living in full obedience? Now think about that for Financially, are you living under God's authority in full obedience? From a set of commands, are you living under his authority in full obedience? If you and I choose to live most of our lives in partial, dis in, 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 in partial obedience, then we've got to understand we're only going to experience fulfillment in partial, partial peace of our lives. When you look at the book of Joshua, I'll just toss it out. We won't even turn there. Joshua 16.10, the chapter previous to this, you see there was already an issue with the Canaanites being kept lingering around. 
They are battle weary. They're tired of fighting. Even if it's a skirmish, they do not want to eradicate the land of the Canaanites. God has told them over and over and he's pointing out to them, you've not driven out the Canaanites. You've not done that. When you come to chapter 17, verse 12, verse 16, verse 18, they all contain phrases reminding them, now you've got to go drive these Canaanites out. I even took a minute to go to the book of Judges and looked at the thing from the rearview mirror. After all of this is over with, the book of Judges says in chapter 1, verses 27, 28, and 29, that, hey, they refuse to eradicate the Canaanites. What are they saying? There's too many Canaanites. <laughs> if a family came to me and I said, hey, uh, I've noticed y'all are kind of downcast. Is everything okay? And the family looked at me and they said, no, pastor, we're glad you asked. Things are not okay. Well, what seems to be the problem? Well, pastor, you know we have five kids. We got five kids. Okay, that's a blessing. Quiver, arrows, isn't that what the Bible says? They said, no, no, but we're living in a two-room house. It's killing us. And so I sat down with our pastors and we said, hey, we gotta help this family. And, and so we, we began looking for options and we said, hey, we're gonna try to find you a bigger house. And lo and behold, right down here in the center part of Longview, an older house that has 12 rooms. And we said, hey, even though it was built in 1896, we think this could be a great house for you. They look at it, they're excited, they can afford it, they buy it, they move in. Three or four weeks later, I ask them, I see them again, hey, how are things in the new house? How are things going? And they look at me and they say, Pastor, terrible. In fact, we're not doing well. And I say, my goodness, why? You just moved into a 12-room house. And they say, Pastor, we're crowded in there. The former occupants, they didn't leave. They've stayed in the house and they're living in there with us. They've got three kids. We've got five kids, two couples, five cars. It's a zoo. It's a circus. And I would immediately tell them the Greek word moronus. Hey, that's moronus. That's moronic. Hey, man, that, don't be a moron. When you buy the house, the former inhabitants got the what? They got to go. That that room has, that house has plenty of rooms for you and your five kids and your two dogs and your cats and a number of other animals if you choose to have them. It's, a, it's, it's, it's huge. Do you see what this tribe of Manasseh is doing? As they come and they petition before Joshua, what are they doing? They're saying, hey, you've given us this land, but it's not enough. And do you see what Joshua says? I'll tell you why it's not enough. You haven't run out the former tenants. You've got that whole hill country attached to it. You've not taken down a single tree. You've not run the Canaanites out. You need to take care of your business. And I just want to stop here for a moment and ask you, heart to heart, are you trying to live your life spiritually in partial obedience? Just doing part of what God has asked you to do. Fulfilling part of what God has called you to do. Maybe there are certain things that you've latched onto, but others that you have not latched onto. Now, there's four things I'm just going to toss out. We don't have a lot of time to spend on them. Four reasons that partial obedience so often creeps into our lives. The first one is compromise. These people are compromising people. How do we know that? Well, they don't think a few Canaanites left in this land that was given them is any big deal. It's like they're approaching God and Joshua, the leader of all of the Israelites at this time, with a simple formula. Hey, maybe 90% of the Canaanites out's enough, isn't it? There's just a few up there in the woods. Now, they do have iron chariots, but we've gotten rid of most of them. And all of a sudden, compromise begins to creep in. Somebody the other day was talking to me about some Bible study stuff and Man, I, I, I was trying to be very kind. I mean, I, I was. And anyway, it was an individual that uh, they don't even go here. They, they go to a Methodist church here in our city, and they were talking about, hey, I, we're not really growing. And so we were talking about, well, are you active? Yeah, yeah. We go about 15, 20 times a year. And well, are, are you in, in any other kind of Bible studies? Uh, 
Are you connected to a small group ministry? Do you sit under any teaching each week? Are you in a prayer group, an accountability group? Do you have a men's group or, I mean, anything going on? Well, no, no, no. I began to encourage this particular gentleman to try to say, hey, I, I don't think it's a church issue. I don't think it's because you're going to a Methodist church that there's an issue. I think it's really a, a, a priority issue for you. And it's like all these other things have crept into your life. And all of a sudden, you're compromising so many areas. You're not even giving God the one day that he's asked you to give him. That's when people tell me, hey, hey, pastor, we're, we're, we're going to be gone 20 times next year. Our daughter's in club volleyball. Well, man, my, my daughter played club volleyball, but we didn't miss 20 Sundays. It's like, you know, God's asked you 50 times a year to come on his special sacred day, number one, because it's rest for you, and number two, that day is his. It's called to be different than any other the six days each week. It's interesting because he's given you 250 plus days to work, but we don't want to take those days to go see racing or go play softball or go in our camper. I mean, compromise. All of a sudden, we think 90% of God's days is enough. Then it's 70% of God's days are enough. We do that in our finances. Hey, God will be happy 1% of what he's given me. I'll just give the church this little bit. I mean, we got the boat payment. We get all this other stuff. Compromise. Do you think, I'm just asking, that there's a chance in some of our lives, just asking, that some of us are not growing the way we should spiritually because we're in partial obedience. We're compromising. I wrote down complacency. Complacency so often is an issue. Did you uh, notice a little statement there that they made uh, about the, the slavery? In fact, um, he says, uh, verse 13, Israelites grow stronger. They subjected the Canaanites to... I don't know what translation you're holding. NIV says forced labor. Some of you have this translation. You have, uh, they're under tribute. This is fascinating to me. You know, the Canaanites are essentially saying, I know the Lord says to run all them out or to kill them. If, if they won't leave, we're to put them to the sword. But you know what we did? We kept the best ones. We kept the strongest ones. But don't worry about that, God. Don't worry about that, Joshua. They're our slaves. We're their master. <laughs> and you know what? You, we don't ever have to worry about slaves. You know, we've, we've got them under control. We're, we're the master. We have power and authority over them. And so it's really no big deal at all. I just wonder how many of us are not going spiritually because of the very complacency of things that have come into our lives that we say we have authority over and it's no big deal. How many times have you and I heard an alcoholic? I had one call me on the phone last night. Slurred speech. Interesting. As I tried to reason with him on the phone. Have you, have you ever noticed a person that's a heavy drinker? They always, in, in some form, not exactly these words, they always tell you this. Hey, it's no big deal. I can quit. Have you ever heard it? Anytime I want to. Have you ever noticed that most of them never get to the point where they want to? How many things in our lives are just around compromise and complacency? I wrote down cowardness. Just the coward in us. Because so many of these things that are, have festered in our lives, they're deep-rooted. It's not one lie, but we become habitual liars. It's not one affair in our relationship, but we've stepped out on our wife many times. I mean, it's not one tax issue. It's, hey, we hadn't, we hadn't had integrity a number of times. And all of a sudden, those things become so deep-rooted. It's like, hey, this tribe's looking at Joshua and saying, man, are you kidding me? All those trees, iron chariots, those cats have been there for hundreds of years. They know every inch of that forest. You want us to go up there and eradicate them? And Joshua says, that's exactly what I'm telling you. You outnumber them. That's what God said to do. Now go do it. And they said, man, no way. No. We'll get hurt up there. People are going to die up there. 
Have you seen the size of them in iron chariots? Hey, Manasseh, how short is your memory? God just led you over the last seven years to 31 stinking victories over people that have a lot more force than that. I just wonder at times if we're not fearful, almost out of a cowardness of our hearts, to deal with the issues in our life that we need to deal with. I'll tell you, another thing I jotted down is just greed. I think part of this might have come out of the spirit of greed. I mean, we're going to keep some of the best ones right here to be our slaves, the strong ones. We may find that we need them. It's as if they're telling God, you know what, God? You may not be enough. And God, if you fail to give us livestock, we're going to have them pull our plows. Or God, if you fail to give us the things that we need, or all of a sudden your provision dries up, we'll have these as a back plan. And it's almost a slap in God's face to say, you know what, God? We're going to have a plan of our own. It's as if they've sworn off on the ways of the world just to keep a few Canaanites back in case God does not work out or God doesn't come through for them. So enough on that. One of the hardest things as any pastor do is to try to help you remove certain barriers out of your life. I can't do that for you. I pray for you. I can coach you scripturally. I can encourage you. I can be there for you as many times as I can. But ultimately, you couples that are here today, you men that are here today, you ladies that are here today, you students that are here today, you nanas and grandpas that are here today, ultimately, you need to spend time alone with the Lord and ask this question, Lord, now I really want you to speak to me. Lord, are there some areas in my life that I'm really just being partially obedient in. Number two, there's a sense of entitlement here that we need to deal with. A second reason that these individuals were not growing spiritually, and we see the tribe, the whole tribe evidently slipped into this, is because we believe in entitlements from past experiences. What is it that makes us entitled? We talked about this on Wednesday morning in our more at midweek. I'm shocked at how many people are going in and watching the review of that teaching this past Wednesday. But one of the things that we talked about was the fallacy of abortion and how many people now, uh, the, the, not the newest, but one of the most driving points of those that support a woman's choice is that, hey, I have certain rights as I told two ladies in the Longview Journal here a couple weeks ago that were in my office, no, 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 as believers, you want to know how many rights you have? Zero. You gave up your rights. Well, I'm an American. And you Baptist, you're a Baptist preacher saying that. That's what, that's, that's, that's what she told me in the office. You're a Baptist preacher, and y'all vote on everything at this church. I'm saying, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. As a believer in Christ... You have zero rights. When you trusted Christ, you stuck out your arms and you said, hey, I'm going to be my Lord and Savior's bond servant. Every single day, I'm going to pick up his cross. I'm chained to the cross and I'm going to go serve him. He is my Lord. He is my master. He is my Savior. He is the priority of my life. He's more important than my husband, my wife, my job, my wishes. He is my everything. And some of you are looking at me kind of like, dude, you're nuts. No, dudettes and dudes, I just love Jesus with everything in me. Just telling you what you cinched up to be. And see, here's a tribe that came, did you notice it from the text? They wanted Joshua, they wanted to remind him who they were. We're just not any of the 12 tribes. We're one of the big six. Now, we may not be better than the Levites or the 
Judah, the tribe of Judah, but doggone it, we're certainly third, fourth, or fifth right in there. We're, we're one of the biggest. Did you notice? Hey, we're one of the numerous. We, we, man, we've been having babies left and right in our tribe. We got lots of people. We're big. And by the way, Joseph, we're ancestors of Joseph. And because of that, we really don't petition like the other tribes. When we want something, we come to you. Chapter 17 and verse 1 kind of starts leading. In fact, all those verses right there kind of start leading us to understand. They're reminding Joshua, hey, we're related. Your great-great-great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents, we're all related. And Joshua's become, remember who we are. We're the tribe of Manasseh. We're entitled. Now, just to ask you today, when I think about this, so often this concept of entitlement keeps us from growing as we should. This whole sense of entitlement, we're great people, we're of great heritage, and you shouldn't expect us to operate by the same rules. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting that with our students right now. I talked to them Wednesday night about, hey, if you want your student ministry to grow, if you want your church to grow, if you want, your, you want to grow in your spiritual life, hey, one of the big things we've got to come to is it's got to be a priority. We don't get to the point where we're in high school where we say, well, I grew up here, you know, I, this is the only church I've ever been to. I really don't need to go to the service anymore. I know enough of, of the Bible that I, I, I probably don't have to go to the service anymore. I don't have to go to small group anymore. You, you know what? I'm a little bit above that. entitlement. Well, I'm in the orchestra. Well, I'm a deacon. Hey, I've been a member since 1960. Woohoo! You're a big timer. I shared in our first service over there, I think it was three weeks ago. Man, I was so discouraged walking over to this service. I didn't tell you all about it. It's past now. I can tell you about it. But man, I was so discouraged. I saw a lady. We, we, we have a number of people in our church that pick or choose what they come to. Like, uh, well, we don't really want to go to, to small group. It's no, no big deal. Or we'll just go to the service. Or others say, well, we're going to the small group. We're not going to go to the service. And so anyway, I saw a lady there, and I knew she hasn't been attending our morning worship. Been, been a member here a long time. Sweet lady. And so I just, I just stopped her in the hall on the way to her class right before this service. I said, Miss So-and-so, so good to see you. Hey, I, well, I've caught you. I want to ask you a favor. Would you consider coming to our 9 o'clock service? I miss seeing you. I, I know where you sit. You, you hadn't been there, but I, I saw for the last six months you've been coming to your small group after COVID. I really want you to come back to the service. And she looked at me, and she was serious. She said, well, Pastor, let me tell you why I don't come to the service anymore. I said, okay. And I, I was just kind of bracing. You're not a very good preacher. I was kind of bracing. I don't like that Josh Thomas guy and that music he's singing. They brought those drums in, you know, the trumpet player's too loud right over here or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? I was just kind of bracing, man. I didn't, I didn't know what she's going to hit me with, but it didn't matter. I, I really wanted to know. And she looked at me right in the eyes, square in the eye, eye up, baby. And she said, you know what, Pastor? I just think I'm at the place in my life spiritually that there's really not too much more in the Bible that I can learn. There it is. After 79 years, Pastor, I've learned enough. I'm entitled. I don't have to go to the service anymore. I've learned about all the Bible that I'm going to learn. I know most all the Bible that there is to know. And I want to tell you something. That was not the time to confront or to give her a hard time. I just said, hey, love you. I'm going to keep praying for you, and I have. I'm going to keep inviting you, and I will. And what I've got to do is just go back and ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you, you're going to have to do a work there. Are any of you at the point where you just kind of feel like you're entitled to miss? You've earned it. I'm telling you, those kind of things keep us from growing. 
Third and final thing. Now we've talked about partial obedience. That's an issue. And this whole issue of entitlements, that's an issue. But let me just share this third and final thing. And I want you to go down, all the way down to verse number uh, 16. And the last thing I just want you to think about with me is this. So often we don't grow because we avoid the personal cost of sacrifice. We don't, we're not willing for it to cost us anything. It's this personal cost. What does it cost us? Sacrifice. Go back to verse 16. The people of Joseph, the, uh, the tribe of Manasseh, they said, hey, you keep talking, Joseph, about that hill covered in trees and giants and iron chariots that you want us to go over there. Take those trees down. Ding, ding, ding. That's going to be a lot of work. And you want us to kill and slay all those chariot people. Hey, that's nuts. And, you know, that's really not what we're asking, Joshua. We want a cleared piece of land. We want a, a choice piece of land because we're choice people. We're one of the big six tribes. And, you know, we are in that lineage of Joseph. And, hey, you're our relative. And, and, and so out of that entitlement, we want you to understand something. We're not just asking, but we're asking in the sense that we don't want to have to do too much work. And man, I just hear this all the time. Pastor, can you just fix my marriage? Well, it's probably going to take counseling. It's going to take this. It's going to take this. It's like, well, we're, we're busy. I thought you said you want me to help you. Well, I do, but I've got this. I've got to go to the gym. I've got all these other things. What, do you want me to help you? Yes, but isn't there like a pill we could take to fix the marriage? Isn't there like a one session fits all? And it's really not me as, as, as the husband, it's my wife that has the issues, pastor. That's usually what I hear. Or the wife says, my husband, he didn't think anything's broken and he won't come to counseling. Guys, isn't that just like us? We're gonna fix it, aren't we? You know, things that, are important, things that are worthwhile, they almost always cost us. Keep reading in verse 16. The hill country, it's not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the plains have chariots fitted with iron, both those of Bashan and its settlements. Jump down to verse 18. Here it is. Here's the kicker. But the forested hill country as well. Clear it, Joshua said. Get up there and get those trees out of there. Man, that's a huge amount of land for you. Clear that tree, those trees. Man, man, you can house people. It's incredible. It'll, it'll, it'll give you a better foothold defensively of your land. You need to clear that hill. You need to clear that mountain area. Keep reading. Its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots filled with iron, and though you are strong, you can drive them out. Do you see what Josh was telling him? He just, I, I, th I, th I think he's probably got the head shake going. This is amazing. You got this huge allotted piece of land and the hill behind it, and it's not enough. And of all things, Manasseh, for you to come ask me for more when you have not even fully developed what you have. And I just ask you here today, when we're talking about our spiritual growth, when we ask God the question, why don't you bless our church more? Why don't you bless me in my life? Why don't you bless our marriage more? Why don't you do this or why don't you do that? Could it be that you're not doing all that you need to do with what God has already given you? He's trusted you with something now. What are you doing with that spiritual gift or gifts? What are you doing with, with what he's given you? Two things I leave with you. Two things that are very important when it comes to our sacrifice for him. Number one, did you notice in verse number 18 that Joshua said, you need to remove the harmless things that clutter your life. Look at it again. But the forested hill country, verse 18, as well, clear it. Now I ask you the question, is there anything wrong with trees? Of course not. I mean, trees in this area are like a bonus. In that Mediterranean area, any forest is valued. So not only did they get 
a huge amount of land, but they got a piece of land that had trees on it, large amounts of trees. Things could be built. They could stay warm, and the list goes on and on. But you see, they didn't see it that way. They saw it as a hindrance. Joshua saw it as what? Clutter, trees. And those trees are making it impossible for you to grow and and progress and enlarge. And there's so much land there, but yet the trees are so plentiful that it's, 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 it's inhibiting the growth. You need to go remove those trees. One of the things that I've just kind of watched from a distance, God has given us several great pastors here. One of the great ones is Pastor Kevin. His heart for the Lord, him driving us to greater mission capacity, sharing the gospel, all of those things. He and I kind of talk from time to time, you know, when we have the opportunity to do certain things in the church. Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to have a visitation blitz or we're going to go pass these things out in this neighborhood or we're going to go see this group of people or whatever it is. It's, it's kind of interesting when you approach people to go help you in that effort. And I know there's times that schedules don't line up, but one of the things that we hear time and time again is how people tell us we're too busy. Pastor, we're too, vi- we're too, we're too busy to go visit people. Pastor, you want us to read our Bible every day, quiet time? We're too busy to do that. Pastor, we're too busy to pray. I mean, we do good if we take a five-second prayer over a meal. We're just too busy. We got too many things going on. Pastor, we're too busy to share the gospel. You know, the last time I checked, every single one of you and me, we have exactly the same amount of time each day. Amen? Every one of us are given the same amount of time, 24 hours. And if we can't get what's a priority done in our lives then maybe we are wasting time or mismanaging our time. But I'll tell you what those things do. Clutter in our lives keep us from the potential of the people that we need to be. And so I'll just ask you as you're praying about, am I growing spiritually? You need to look at your schedule. If you let me look at how you spend your money and how you spend your time, I can tell you what's important to you. I thought we cinched up. I thought we put the chains on under the authority of our master and Lord and Savior. I thought that was like a real thing to us in our spiritual growth, in our homes, in our service. I thought it was the real thing for us. If it is, then we may have to back up and say, maybe too many sports, maybe too much recreation, maybe too much of this. Because if we're not careful, those things, even though they're harmless, a tree is a harmless thing, but it it can become clutter in our lives. But watch this. Look at the very end of verse 18. He didn't just ask him to remove this harmless clutter, but he also asked him to remove the harmful things that corrupted their life. Did you get that? He says at the very end, fitted with iron, he said these chariots... He says, even though they are strong, you can drive them out. Some of us aren't growing because there's something really corrupting our authenticity with our Lord. And most of us don't have to really pray and search about this. Most of us can identify that right off. Most of the time we keep that concealed but it'll rot us this week my wife sent me a SOS text message it didn't say SOS but she never sends me a text message that says call me that's not Becky Cook and so when I got that that meant to me I need to call her in the next hour or so No, it meant, hey, I better call her. So I call her and she says, can't really talk right now, but one of our puppies has been bitten by a snake. And as it turns out, the fang pattern, everything looks like one of our seven month year old puppies got down in our pond and was evidently bitten by a cottonmouth, some kind of moccasin, they think. That's what the vet thinks. Wasn't, Wasn't a copperhead, wasn't a scorpion, 
But it looks like when they really got in there and began to scrape away and look at his paw and look at the tracks there, it looks like just a span of it, probably some kind of moccasin. But anyway, dog was in excruciating pain. His whole paw turned black. The flesh started rotting around that. Of course, we began thinking, you know, we're going to have a three-legged dog, you know. $2,000 to have a three-legged dog. And I thought, hey, that's okay. I'll love on that little dog. Well, it won't be a little dog. 100-pound three-legged dog. Anyway, so we've, we've been watching that, you know, and we got him treated, taking all these pills. And, you know, that big old monster, I mean, he's about 70 pounds. Again, just seven months. He's, he's on his way up to 100, 105, 110 pounds. And so anyway, he, that, that big dog's been laying around the house, snoozing, using the bathroom at a fast rate on those steroids. But every day I get up and I've just been watching and I just leaned down there and I kind of spread his little, little paw apart, really got, kind of got some toes on him. And, and I just pull it back and I just look at that black flesh. And I'm just wondering two things. Is he going to lose his paw and how much more is that vet going to charge me to scrape all that junk out of there? And today, got up real early. Most of you had just gone to bed when I got up and uh, let the dogs out and came back in and about 6.30, let him back out and the sun was just about to start to come up. And after four or five days of medication and everything else, I saw he and that female, man, the brother and sisters, I saw him really running for the first time. And I saw him this morning with great freedom, man, he's just stretching out, huge, man, he can run. She was jumping on his back, and he was growling at her. Man, there was, just, there, was a, there was a great victory for me as I just stood out there over that acreage today and watched those dogs as they interact. And, and I thought, hey, we're, we're, we're getting back to where we intended to be. This dog is coming back to be a shepherding dog, and he's more healthy, and he's more vibrant, and... And that's, that's Gunner. That's, that's what he was created to be. And, but it was, that, it was that poison that kept him down and really changed completely who he was. And what I want you to understand is this. As I looked at this verse, I got to be honest with you, I kind of began questioning God. It was like, God, let me read that again and again because God told through Joseph or, or, or through Joshua, he told his tribe to do two things. Did you get it? Go cut the trees down first and then eradicate the Canaanites. And in my mind, I kept asking, why would God ask to do something in that order? Does that make sense to you? I mean, I don't want to be out there sawing or hatching or axing down a bunch of trees and being shot at or attacked by chariots and giants. I mean, let's get rid of the defense first and then we can go do some construction. And that was what was in my mind. And the more I looked at it and the more I prayed about it, it was like God came back and said, no, 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 that's exactly the right order. First, we're gonna take these trees down. We're gonna get rid of all the clutter. Because without doing that, you never have the space, the capacity to, to really worship and pray and prepare yourself for that next very important step. Now, you're going to go eradicate the Canaanites. You're going to clean them out. And today, I just wonder, heart to heart, are you growing the way that you need to be growing? Do you even know what that looks like? When you, when you go to Galatians 5 and you look at those fruits of the Spirit that are laid out there, how long has it been since you had a checklist about those things? And again, just laying it out there for you with all the authenticity that the Holy Spirit will give me to say if you're really not growing, just like a baby that's not growing, Something is wrong. Maybe it's related to the poison of sin that's slowly rotting away the very purpose for what your life was intended to be. Let's pray together. 
Lord, thank you for a few moments in your word today. Thank you for bringing us to this passage today. Would you use God's word now to stretch us? Pray for our students that are here today. Would you take something from this message? Maybe it was about eradicating clutter, or maybe it was about entitlement, or maybe it was about partial obedience. And would you just put something in their heart that they needed to hear today, and would you just allow that seed to grow for a mom or a dad, for a couple that are here today? that maybe their marriage is not where it needs to be, or they're not the very followers of Christ that they need to be. Father, I just pray for each person that's here today, just as physically we all grow, spiritually you've designed us to grow as well. We shouldn't be babes after being sitting under the authority of your word for three or four or five years or 10 years. And Father, we certainly never get to that point in our lives as long as you leave us on planet Earth where we've arrived spiritually and we need no more God, we need no more development, we need no more Christian maturity. Father, we never get to that place. And Father, would you break our spirit, our self-reliance as we hide away these giants and Canaanites just in case. You're not enough in our life. Father, I think about a whole tribe and a whole nation of people that you took care of. They had no food and you just brought it to their tent every day. Water, manna. Father, I think about people that had never fought a single battle or very little military experience and you made them conquerors. And Father, if there could be a nation and a set of tribes that had come that far with you and still be at the point where they were in a spiritual stalemate, they were in a place of stagnant. So Father, for, for those that may be here today to say, man, I don't want to admit it publicly, but Pastor, dude, <laughs> what you shared today is exactly where I am just going through the motions. Yeah, I'm here. I brought my Bible. I'm going to throw some money in this box back here today. But pastor, I just want you to know that inside something is missing. Pastor, today, man, I'm struggling. It's been a long time since I had the joy, the vibrancy, the excitement, the hunger for God's word. It's been a long time since I moved my schedule around, around the very God that I love so much. The God that should be, the Savior that should be my priority. So Father, as we continue to worship today, would you just allow your word to gestate? Allow your word to work in us now. And Father, even for our shortcomings, we want you to know on this day that we love you and we worship you. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.